My name is Peter Kroll. I'm one of the elders here at Grace Fellowship Church. And in a former life of mine, before I stood here before you, I played the trombone. And it was my life to play music. My favorite experience in music was to play trombone in an orchestra. And if you've ever seen a live concert of an orchestra, you probably know what is the very first thing that the orchestra always does. After they warm up, they're getting ready to perform. You remember what they do? They tune up. And it's not only the first thing they do at uh, a concert, it's also the first thing an orchestra does at every rehearsal and after every break at the rehearsals. They get back together, they tune up, and they're ready to go. If the orchestra is not in tune... It cannot accomplish its purpose. Any music it makes will sound off a little bit. Now, have you ever noticed how an orchestra gets in tune? What happens? You have usually the oboe. You have one instrument that plays a single note, and then section by section, the orchestra will play notes to tune to that oboe, usually to get in tune, and then the next section, and then the next section. And everyone tunes up to this one individual. And when they do, the orchestra will, by default, be in tune. You, you understand that an orchestra never actually plays a tuning note altogether. But when all goes as it should, at the first drop of the conductor's baton, the tuning pays off with beautiful music. You see, a church is like an orchestra, seeking to produce beautiful music. When we speak of fellowship or community, which is what we're going to talk about this morning, this topic of fellowship, when we speak of that, we must avoid a common danger, which is to focus on fellowship or community. In particular, I mean this. We don't tune up by getting in sync with each other. You don't have an orchestra who all plays the note at the same time trying to tune to each other. They have to tune to the one. And so we, if we're going to be in tune, we must tune ourselves to the one, to God, our Father, and, and His Son, Jesus Christ. And when we're in tune with Him, we'll automatically be in tune with each other. This morning, we're continuing our short series on what we call our church principles these are the principles that explain our identity as a church. We've already covered what we believe about the Bible, and then last week we addressed our first identifying principle, which is grace. This week we hit the second principle, which is fellowship. So on the back of your handout, uh, I have the text right off our website, the text of our principle about fellowship. I would like to read this. To you. By his grace, God brings us into fellowship with him and with each other. We assume that any believer in Christ who regularly attends our fellowship wants to be part of our body and under the authority of our elders. We are a tight-knit fellowship committed to serving God together. As we look not only to our own interests, but also the interests of others, we care for each other. We also call every member to actively labor in the church. Because the ministry of the church occurs through all of our members, the spiritual growth and maturity of each member is key. 
As a fellowship, we have banded together to humbly help each member grow into mature disciples of Christ. I'm going to refer to this throughout the sermon as we go. But to explain this principle and what we mean about fellowship and where we got these ideas from, we're going to look at the book of 1 John chapter 1. So if you uh, have a Bible, if you have one of the church Bibles, it's on page 660. And if you don't have a Bible or a pen, you can raise your hand and someone from the back will help you to get what you need. But it'll be on page 660. And as we look at 1 John, I want to be clear with you that I'm not going to preach what is necessarily the main point of this passage. Because what John is trying to do here is to to offer testimony about Jesus that will provide assurance to those willing to be exposed, willing to come into the light. And if you want to hear more about that, you can hear the sermons we preached earlier this summer when we studied through the book of 1 John. Warren Wright and I did two sermons on this chapter that you can listen to those to focus in on the main points. What I'm going to do this morning is hit a bit on some of the sub-points contained within this passage so that I can draw out implications for our fellowship as we talk about this topic of fellowship. My outline is a little busier than usual. I had to put it on a whole page. We normally go with the half page. It was because, I don't know, the, the spirit of Jonathan Edwards came upon me in power and I wanted to preach like Edwards. This is how he used to do it with propositions and implications. So that's our outline. As we talk about fellowship, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son. I'd like to make a series of propositions and then a series of implications. And I didn't want you to be so distracted trying to write down the whole sentences that I was saying. I just put them all here for you. Make it easier for you to take notes. Let me pray for us and then I'll read 1 John 1 and we'll dive in. Our Father in heaven, we praise you for this opportunity to be together and to study your word. Please help us to trust in you. Grant us sweet fellowship with you. And as we're in tune with you, Lord, grant us strong relationships with each other as well. We pray that you would do these things for the sake of your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. First John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Let's talk about fellowship. Proposition number one, letter A, proposition A. Fellowship is an identity, not an activity. Look at verse three. John says, I'm proclaiming these things to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father. So it's fellowship is something you have. It is something we do have with the Father. Verse six, he says, if we say we have fellowship, but do other things, we lie. Verse seven, if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. You see, fellowship is something you either have or you don't have. Fellowship is not something that you do. Though it's common today in Christian circles to use the word fellowship as a verb, it is actually a noun. You do not fellowship together. You have fellowship with each other. The point is this, that you don't make it happen. It's not an activity. It's part of your identity. This fits with John's approach in his whole letter. He takes a binary approach to his subject. Everything is either A or B because he wants to give assurance to those who believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Therefore, as he gives tests for assurance, all people are either obedient or disobedient to God's commandments. They're either loving or hating of people. They're either children of God or children of the devil. They either have the spirit of Christ or the spirit of Antichrist. This binary approach is saturated all through John's letter. And in the same way, when it comes to the topic of fellowship, there's no middle ground. Either you have fellowship or you do not have fellowship. And so a basic definition is in order. What do we mean when we talk about fellowship? What does the Bible mean? In a basic sense, fellowship means community. It means this togetherness, this sense of being together. But it goes beyond the word community because fellowship comes along with it. It's the type of community where there's a strong association and a joint participation. This is the identity. It is an association or a joint participation. Let me illustrate with plain language. We use this word fellowship when we talk about graduate students. There are graduate students who have fellowships. And when a graduate student has a fellowship, there are some who have fellowships and there are some who don't. All of them are part of the community of the graduate school, but some of them have something more than the community. They have a fellowship. And when a graduate student has a fellowship, it means that that student has an ownership or a share or a portion in the funding that's available for this department or this kind of research or whatever, such that that student will not have to teach a class or work on the side in order to pay for graduate school. So that graduate student with a fellowship has ownership in the funds. So we use the word fellowship this way. It's this joint participation. It's this ownership. It's a share or a portion in the lot. Now this, because this is what fellowship is, this is why we have such a funny definition of church membership at our church. Did you see it? We have it written in our principle here. If you look at the second sentence, we say this. We assume that any believer in Christ who regularly attends our fellowship wants to be a part of our body and under the authority of our elders. 
That's our definition of church membership. Anyone who believes in Christ and attends regularly is a member. And we assume that that means if you do those things, if you believe in Christ and you attend regularly, you want to be a part of our body and under the authority of the elders, and so we will treat you that way. Now, in the last few years, we have formalized our membership process as a church. We have made it more specific, and we've done that mostly to make it more clear so that people feel understood and brought along and included. We want to eliminate doubts and communicate how much we value people and publicly recognize how God is at work. But know this, our membership process, attending a membership class and then standing up during the service or sharing your testimony or something, that process does not make you a part of our fellowship. That process merely recognizes that you are already a part of our fellowship because this fellowship is our identity. It's not an activity. That's the first proposition. Proposition B, two kinds of fellowship must concern us. In verse 3, John says, we've proclaimed these things to you so that you may have fellowship with us. There's one fellowship, the horizontal fellowship, that which you have with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So there's a vertical fellowship between us and God. So there are two kinds of fellowship that must concern us, the horizontal and the vertical. John wants his readers to have an association with him But the essence of John's fellowship, note the word indeed, and one should have fellowship, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. The essence of John's association is that which he has with the Father and with the Son. So as one enters fellowship with John, they're really joining the fellowship that John already has with God. Our church principle mentions these two fellowships in the very first sentence. By his grace, God brings us into fellowship with him and with each other. So when we talk about fellowship, we're not talking about one thing. We are talking about two things, our fellowship with God and our fellowship with each other. Proposition C, fellowship with God produces fellowship with each other, not vice versa. Once we understand that there are two kinds of fellowship, we have to get the order right between these two. In verse 3, John says, Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. John's essential fellowship is with God, and that is the fellowship that he invites others into. Look at verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, that is, if we go to be where God is, if we are associated with God through faith in Jesus Christ, then... We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So it's only when we have fellowship with God that we can have fellowship with each other. This is really important because a common error in the church today when we talk about fellowship, this topic, is to focus on only one kind of fellowship where we talk about our fellowship with each other. And where that gets problematic is that when we sense a disturbance in that fellowship, we think that the answer is to focus on our relationships with each other. But that's not the answer. Because when we do that, it's like we're trying to tune the orchestra by getting everybody to play at once. 
And all that happens then is you get a cacophony and you can't really get in tune. What we need is to get the one instrument to play and get all of us in line with that instrument, with God, and then we can have fellowship with each other. So we can't fix fellowship problems merely by building better relationships. Though, don't get me wrong, there is a time to work on our relationships. I'm not saying we don't ever work on our relationships, but we do that in the context of our relationship with God. It's possible for us to be united in our community together in opposition to God. That's why we have to get the order of fellowships right. We don't just build unity, but we build unity with God. And so our church principle says that for the ministry of the church, the spiritual growth and maturity of each member is key. That's essential to our fellowship is the spiritual growth and maturity of each member. We have fellowship with each other because we have fellowship with God, not vice versa. And our fellowship problems will not be fixed by tuning into each other. And if we have good relationships with each other, that does not necessarily mean we're on good terms with God. That's letter C. Letter D. Proposition D. Not everything labeled fellowship truly is. You see this in verse 6. John says, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. You see, it's possible to talk about fellowship, but to be lying about it. And you might not even know that you're lying about it. You might not know that you're mistaken about it. If you talk about having fellowship with God, but you walk in darkness, you're lying. So the one who claims to have fellowship, but who stays in hiding, who keeps his or her life in the dark, that person is lying. But the helpful principle here is that not everything labeled fellowship truly is. And so when we break from our main worship service before we go to our small groups, we have this thing we call fellowship time. And that's a convenient name that we use for chit-chat around the donuts and the bagels in the other room. And that name is a convenient name as long as we don't confuse donut chit-chat with true fellowship. Because true fellowship is the association we have with God, which then produces our association with each other. And if what happens during donut time evidences that fellowship that we have with God that leads to fellowship with each other, then we can call it fellowship. But if what happens does not evidence fellowship with God, it is not true fellowship. If someone wants to have more fellowship with people, we're right to encourage a stronger relationship with God. And again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have strong relationships, just that our relationships with each other must result from our relationship with God. In other words, your relationship with God must never depend on your relationships with other people. We'll get to implications in just a minute. But first, one more proposition, letter E. The Bible explains fellowship through two key images. The images are light and body. Light we see here in 1 John, where fellowship is expressed through self-exposure and cleansing through Jesus' blood as you walk in the light and he cleanses you, he covers you. And if you want to understand more on that, you can listen to our sermons from 1 John from over the summer, 
where we expanded on that greatly. I want to mention here that there's another chief image, that of body, that's used elsewhere. A key passage is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where fellowship is expressed through membership and participation in Jesus' life. And what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, especially verses 12 to 21, is that we are all, if we believe in Christ, we are all a part of Christ's body. And so if you don't have Christ, you're not on the right body. But he also says that we need each other in order to function as a body. If we don't have each other, we're not functioning like a body. We might be functioning like an arm or like a leg or like an ear, but not like a body. And so we need to be on in Christ to be in his body, and we need each other so that we have all the parts of the body. Those are the propositions. Did that to lay some groundwork. Let's talk about implications. What does this mean for us? Implication number one, letter A. Our fellowship as a church depends on your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Friends, if you don't trust in Jesus, you're not a part of our fellowship because it's our identity. It's something we have or we don't have. And if you're here today and you haven't yet given your life to Jesus, you don't trust in Jesus, please come to the light. Please come with us. Come clean about your sin. You don't have to have shame or guilt or fear about it because when you come to Christ and you come into the light and you're willing to open your life and acknowledge how you have failed God, you will find cleansing. You won't find disappointment from God. You won't find his anger. But Jesus died in your place so that you could live with him. Jesus took on the penalty of your sin so that he could give you his righteousness. And acceptance and favor with God lie within reach. If you're here today and you're already a believer, we still depend on your relationship with God through Christ. And so every time you read the Bible, every time you pray to your father, every time you sing a worship song in the shower, you are demonstrating that you have fellowship with God. And when you do that, when you demonstrate your fellowship with God, you strengthen and beautify our fellowship that we have with each other. So the first implication is that our fellowship as a church depends on your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Implication B, our fellowship as a church depends on you helping each other draw close to God through Jesus. So this isn't just about you and Jesus. This is about you with each other, me and you together, helping each other to grow into maturity as disciples of Christ. So we ought to spend time together. And as we do, we must focus on helping each other to grow in Christ. That is evidence that we have true fellowship. So that means that when we see each other, it's totally appropriate to ask each other, how was your week? Or what do you do for a living if you're meeting someone for the first time? That's appropriate because if you want to dig a hole, before you can dig the deep dirt, you have to dig the shallow dirt first. So you dig the shallow dirt, you have the chit-chat, and you're talking about getting to know each other, but our fellowship goes beyond that. We should also be asking each other regularly, what are you learning about God these days? How is your walk with Jesus going? These kinds of things should saturate our conversation around the donuts and the bagels. 
That's evidence that we have true fellowship. Our church success is not measured by five-star user reviews, but our success is measured by mature disciples of Christ. As our principal says on the back page, as a fellowship, we have banded together to humbly help each member grow into mature disciples of Christ. So if you've been coming for a while, but you haven't gotten very involved with Grace Fellowship Church yet, why not? I invite you to. How does God want you to help others grow in Christ? That's what our fellowship depends on. Implication C. Time with Christians cannot replace time with God. And don't get me wrong here. Time with Christians is essential. We need to have time with each other. But if your time with Christians replaces your time with God, then we don't have true fellowship. This means that the Sunday morning worship service does not equal your full spiritual worship toward God. And listening to a sermon does not equal your full submission to the voice of God. Church members must connect to God directly, not just through the church leaders, such that the leader's insights become your insights and the leader's passion becomes your passion and the leader's service is your service. Your time with Christians cannot replace time with God. For ladies who are married, you must connect to God directly and not just through your husband. This is really important. Or vice versa, not husbands through wives. Moms, especially, do you guard time for you to be able to spend time in the word and in prayer? to work on your relationship with God. Husbands, do you help your wives to have that time? Do you take the kids for a time? Do you give her time out, uh, time away from the house so she can do that? And so it's important that you, you we not simply wait for each other to lead us to God. We each must strengthen our fellowship with God and build our relationship with him. Children, for the children who are here today, Children, we need you to have a relationship with God. You can know Jesus. You don't have to wait for your parents to pray for you or your teachers to talk about Jesus. You can talk about Jesus with each other. And as you are reading, you can read the Bible and spend time with Jesus. We need you to know Jesus and you can know him directly. He wants you to come to him. Students, College students who are here today, perhaps you came to Grace Fellowship Church because another student invited you, a friend. And I hope that friend cares more about your relationship with God than your relationship with her or with him. And will you come to Christ? Will you grow in Christ? Will you have true fellowship? Will you come to know the one who can give you the life that you need? That's implication C. Time with Christians cannot replace time with God. Implication D. This gets really interesting. You don't have to attend every meeting. This might sound funny, but it's a very important implication of what the Bible teaches about fellowship. We don't have meetings as a church just to have meetings. And we don't want anybody 
to feel close to God for no other reason than that they have attended every worship service and every small group and every church picnic and every ladies Bible study and every growth group meeting and every worship training session and every setup planning meeting and every outreach event and every weekend retreat. We hold these meetings in order to help you grow into mature disciples of Christ. And so if a meeting or set of meetings doesn't work for you, if it doesn't scratch the itch of your walk with Christ, if it doesn't fit your schedule without breaking your schedule, if it doesn't line up with your current season in life, then please don't come. It's okay. It's really okay. Can you believe I'm preaching a sermon about fellowship that has an application about not coming to church events? The point is this. Do whatever it takes to work on your relationship with God because our community will be stronger for it. Let us know if we can help because we're in this together. We're all in this together. That's implication D. Implication E. Two sets of virtues should characterize our community. And these two sets of virtues flow from the two biblical images for fellowship that I mentioned in letter E above. The first set of virtue comes from the image of light, and the virtues are exposure and trust. If we're walking in the light, freely accepted by God, cleansed by the blood of Christ, then exposure of our lives and trust of God in each other will be normal. Our donut conversation will contain not merely events, what happened to me during the week, but it will also include my thoughts, my feelings, my hopes, and my dreams, and we'll share those with each other because we trust each other. And our fellowship together is not just about smiles and successes, but we expose our lives to one another because we know we're already accepted by God through Jesus, by faith in Jesus Christ. And so we're free to walk in the light together. That's the first set of virtues. The second set of virtues that comes out of the image of the body are inclusion and hospitality. So because we are a body, we will swarm our visitors and work to draw them in. We will work hard to include them and invite them in, hopefully without too much social awkwardness. Okay, be mindful of social norms. But we want to swarm people. We'll invite people to our homes. We'll invite people to our growth groups. We won't just sit there and wait and hope people come, but we'll recruit We'll invite. We'll ask people to join us for things. Let them know that we want them there. We'll address areas where anyone feels hung out to dry. And we'll have places in the church for everyone to serve. Because as our church principle states, the ministry of the church occurs through all of our members. So if you're here today and you feel at all underutilized, there are ways that you can serve, that you would appreciate serving, things you would like to learn, things you would like to do, ways God has gifted you. We love to know that. We would really love to know that and to help you find a plan that will serve you and serve the church. Please talk to Tom Hallman, back row. Can you put your hand up, Tom? His wife does it for him. Thank you. He's the head of the shepherding team, so he can help to find a place. Feel free to talk to me if you feel like you could use more of a place. But exposure and trust, inclusion and hospitality should characterize us. Last implication, letter F. No church will live up to anyone's ideal expectations for a close-knit community. Sometimes your fellowship with God may lead you out 
of a fellowship with a certain group. And there are times when that's okay. There's not much to be done about that because your fellowship with God is primary. And But even as we understand that, it's important to know that no church will ever live up to our ideals for what we would like, what I would like the community to look like. But I can tell you this, on behalf of the elders, by God's grace and his empowering spirit, Grace Fellowship Church will keep trying until we get it right. And so we want to hear from you. If there are things about our community that have disappointed you, if our community fails you, and if it hasn't yet, it will, because we are a group of sinners, then please take your disappointment to the Lord Focus on your primary fellowship with God, the Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ. Work out your fears and your discouragement and your disillusionment with Him. But then, please feel free to come back to us, to to come to us and help us find a solution. Because if there's something about our community that bothers you, that probably means that God has gifted you in that area. That's why you're sensitive to it. And we need you to help us fix it. So please help. And it's amazing how when I take this approach of taking my disappointments to the Lord and then trying to help be a part of the solution, it reduces my complaining spirit and my tendency to cause divisions. When Aaron and I first came to Grace Fellowship Church in 2010, we came to this church because we were captivated by the church's vision for exalting God by making disciples of Christ through his grace. We loved that vision. And that's why we came here. We loved the church's commitment to minister God's grace to the heart. However, when we came, the church didn't completely live up to all of our ideals. We felt like the church was lacking a bit in terms of having a, a communal identity. It felt like A group of friends got together once in a while to worship Jesus, but we didn't feel like we were joining a community, like it was something bigger than the sum of its parts. It was something worth investing in, giving ourselves to, serving with, sacrificing for. And I'm not saying this to bash anyone or to complain, but to mention that our disappointment drew us closer to Christ. It was the kind of thing where we could say, you know, if this never changes, we're going to be okay with this church anyway. Because we're on board with the vision and we're going to move forward with this. We had to look to Christ for the communal identity we wanted to get out of our church. But as we did, we were also able to talk this out through a series of conversations with the elders and with others in the church. We both think that we've come a long way as a church. And we're not perfect at this yet, but I think we're better than we've ever been, that I've seen, at thinking and acting like a body where everybody is a place, we're employing the various parts into a beautiful whole, and we have a place for many different kinds of people so that when people come in, they don't feel like, oh, I have no place there because I'm not like all the other people there. But instead, we're functioning more like a body. And I'm so encouraged by how God has grown us in that. And so as we think about that, what is your place? What is the place God is calling you to that he wants to give you in our church. I'd love to hear from you on that. And I love the opportunities I have to serve as an elder and to get to preach 
partly serve as some of the eyes for the body, the mouthpiece from time to time. And as I do so, I am fully committed to proclaiming what we have seen and heard about Jesus, the word of life, as John writes about. And we as a church proclaim these things to you week to week to week about Jesus, the word of life, our hope of eternal life. We proclaim these things to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we praise you for bringing us into fellowship with you through your Son, Jesus Christ. We ask, Lord, that you would please help us as a church to honor you and help us to strengthen this fellowship that you've given to us, this identity we have, that that we are associated. We have a joint participation. Sometimes we act more or less like that's true, but, Lord, it's always true when we trust in you. And help us, please, to live more and more like it. Help us to honor you, to walk in the light, and to live as a body. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's no place.